It's five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Little breaking news to start. Everyone, little breaking news for you. Yeah, absolutely. We have Pirate Baseball pushing the start time of the game tomorrow back to six o'clock so that means a 545 airtime here on 943 the game with scooter and coach o. Uh, I will not be here tomorrow I'm on the TV duty this year which I'm honored to do uh, they've asked me to call the games for ESPN plus for pirate baseball this season and I'm looking forward to it I'll be with Jay Sunholder for the majority of them including tomorrow so I'm looking forward to that and I'm looking forward to uh, that obligation and responsibility this year. It's a great pleasure, as was being there last night. Pirate basketball with uh, a comeback for the ages, down 16 with 10 to go, down 11 with 7 to go, and uh, winning at 75-71 over Cincinnati. Great uh, atmosphere and great emotion inside of Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum. Such a pleasure to be there. Uh, it was really a thrill. And I can't... Uh, tell you enough or thank you enough as far as uh, just all the wonderful people last night. And, and I was really concerned about Cy. I know it was emotional for the great Cy Seymour. But uh, a lot of folks from Pirate Nation came by, spoke to Cy, spoke to David Horn, uh, to me. And, and I, you know, I really appreciate it. I know those guys really, you know, felt uh, very touched by your kind words to them in, in uh, the aftermath of Jeff's uh, untimely passing. And uh, also, uh, you know, to Coach Perry when he was there, just anybody affiliated with it, a lot of great ECU fans, a lot of great uh, folks that work with the university and athletics, really cool. Makes me proud to be an alum, makes me proud to be part of Pirate Nation. And I am uh, I'm really uh you know, it was just really in a lot of ways it was overwhelming, and I and I, I hope I, I did a good job last night, and I think we did a really nice job, I hope, uh, in our pregame comments for Jeff. Uh, if you missed that, uh, I'm going to play that for you right now before we get into our uh, pirate report. This was our open on ESPN Plus last night, uh, kind of a cold open that uh, was – straying away from the traditional opens that we have for those ESPN Plus broadcasts. Good evening and welcome to Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum in Greenville, North Carolina, where tonight on the American on ESPN Plus, Cincinnati visits East Carolina. I'm Patrick Johnson. Cy Seymour is alongside. We are dedicating our broadcast tonight to Jeff Charles, the longtime voice of the Pirates, unexpectedly passed Friday while on a road trip with the men's basketball team. 
in New Orleans. They were preparing to play Tulane. Jeff, a two-time sportscaster of the year of the state of North Carolina, and for more than three decades chronicled the highs and the lows of pirate athletics for everyone across the Carolinas and really around the world. He was on the call of a 1,000 basketball games and behind the mic for 15 bowl games for the Purple and Gold. Cy, you were with him for more than two decades on many yeah. of those basketball broadcasts. Yeah, it was wonderful. 23 years I had with Jeff, and, and we roomed together. So we became really good friends. Our families are very close, and this is a, it's a tough loss. And I think we lost one of the best broadcasters in the country. No doubt about it, he had it all, and he had that voice, and he's going to be missed. He was so energetic, so focused, and so professional. No doubt. I asked him one time, we were, you know, we were on the road, I said, Jeff, how do you do this all the time? He says, I have a passion for it. I had it when I was 18 and 19. I still have it now, and he stayed with it, and he was the best. When he locked in, he locked in. Well, he's from Piqua, Ohio, so if you're looking in tonight and you're a Bearcat fan, know that Jeff grew up about an hour and 15 minutes from the UC campus, and he certainly would get very excited anytime ECU took on Cincinnati, and we know tonight, wherever he is, he's hoping the Pirates will indeed be painting it purple. So uh, there that is there. Great job by our ESPN Plus crew last night, uh, Will Bailey, Mike Miles, uh, Jay Pike, uh, Kyle. It's too many people to name, and uh, I they just they all did great work last night. Uh, my man Brett was uh, taking care of things for us there on the uh, uh, during that shoot. We shot that a couple of hours before the game. Usually we do those opens live, but we did it uh, last night. And I've not talked a lot about Jeff uh, this week and my personal emotions on this because uh, I wanted to go with the approach of honoring Jeff and and having people that worked with him very very closely speak with him. Obviously, it uh, look I I forever am grateful to Jeff Charles Perti because uh, he allowed me an opportunity as a sophomore in college to call major college athletics, baseball, basketball, football, sideline, women's basketball, I mean, stuff that I had no business doing. And he uh, had enough confidence and faith in me to put me into those positions and uh, varying degrees of success, I'm sure, and forever grateful because that, you know, allowed me the exposure to, to have gone on and do other things, calling college athletics. I would not have been able to do a lot of the things that I have done uh, if not for that break as a college kid because of Jeff Charles. So I'm, I'm again, forever indebted to him because of that. And, uh, look, any time I, I crack the mic here on Talk of the Town, on ESPN+, Plus, on uh, Playfly, which I got to work with Jeff this season, uh, is in the studio during the football broadcast, which was a real thrill for me this year. Uh, be it Sinclair Stadium, you know, Sinclair over the air and, and stadium nationally or uh, however it is, the ACC Network, Extra, whatever. I, I am honored to always do it. I, I get a charge out of it still, and I enjoy it, and I, and I take the obligation and responsibility seriously, but I always try to have fun with it because uh, we, we have to have fun with, with these broadcasts. They're fun, and we want to convey the excitement. Uh, to you, and uh, that's so I, I never take for granted any time we get an opportunity to do this. And again, uh, that is one thing I'll be indebted to to uh, Jeff forever and ever. 
uh, because of the opportunities he gave me uh, back last century, that long ago. Uh, but what an emotional win last night, a beautiful thing, and uh, right now we chronicle some of Coach Swartz's comments in today's Pirate Report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Mike Swartz talking about everything that this team has gone through uh, in the last few days. We talked about this right when it happened when we were in New Orleans, that everybody deals with these kind of scenarios a little bit differently. Everyone has their own coping mechanisms with them. Uh, but what we have done is we said this, regardless of what it is, we're going to all go through this together. We're going to be together. We're going to be together as we pray and think about Jeff and his family. And we're just going to spend time together. And, you know, that has probably been, you know, a very healthy way for, for young guys to handle it. And for us as a coaching staff, just to be together. And, you know what, they I said this before the game, they wanted to honor Jeff with shirts and things like that and just really honor him. It meant something to them. And that's, what, again, that's what I kept saying. They wanted to paint it purple in Minji's tonight, and they did. Yeah, they did. Uh, Mike Swartz, a heck of a coaching job, but a, a even classier display from him last night in all of his post-game comments with us on television with the radio network with the media uh dedicating that game to the memory of jeff charles a class move there from mike swartz and coach swartz talking about some late game adjustments as the pirates rallied for that 75 71 win against cincinnati they were really hurting us with the ball screen they were getting downhill their guards were getting downhill their roller was getting behind our post defender So it was causing problems with us there. So we went to our switching defense package. And when we did that, it turned the game into an isolation game more versus them. And they did still made some some great shots. But it made the offense a little more stagnant. It cut down on their ball movement. Then on the other end, it was really Brandon's two back-to-back threes that got us going. Our movement started picking up. And when RJ got that offensive rebound, he came down the next time and made a shot, and we saw that look in R.J.'s eyes, so we went to some sets where it would isolate him in that elbow-nail area. Today's Pirate Report, Pirates rallying from 16 down to defeat Cincinnati last night, and uh, Coach Swartz talked about uh, not harping on the scoreboard but taking it one possession at a time. And we looked up, and sometimes it was 8, sometimes it was 9. At one point it was 15, 16. And we said, you can't play based on that. What we got to do is play do exactly what we've been doing to prepare for this game the last two days, the adjustments we've made in the first 10 minutes of the second half that we've had to make, that we've made. Now just continue to do those, and let's see if we can flip momentum any kind of way. Let's see if we can do it. And it did spark, and when it sparked, again, momentum is just such a strong thing. And more from Coach Schwartz on how the guys played the way that uh, he anticipated they would, and that's why the momentum swung. Obviously great emotion in the locker room just now. For a number of reasons, what we just spoke about, but also just the fight and the grit in this basketball game. Cincinnati is a really good basketball team. I have utmost respect for West Miller, their coaches, and their players. And, you know, we were down, what, 16 with 10 to go. But the mindset that the players had every time out, and as we tried to chip away back in, we started talking about just keep chipping away, keep chipping away, keep doing what we've done to try and prepare for this game. We obviously had to make adjustments on offense. We had to make adjustments on defense to give ourselves a chance, and we did that, but the guys kept playing the right way, and when they did that, all of a sudden something flipped, momentum starts changing, and uh, momentum's a pretty strong thing. Yeah, I think there were a lot of things at work last night that were pretty strong, so... uh Magical night at Minji's, undoubtedly so. And uh, I do want us to uh, give 
again, our uh, most heartfelt condolences for the uh, family of Jeff. And uh, I, I hope what occurred last night will bring a little bit of a smile to their face because uh, it was a great uh, video that aired in the arena, great video that aired on our telecast uh, honoring the life and legacy of uh, Jeff Charles. And congratulations to Mike Swartz and his basketball team, those players, uh, and really everybody affiliated with uh, the travel party that was in New Orleans last Friday deserves a great deal of credit. Mike Perry did a wonderful job last night on radio as well. So uh, God bless them all. They, uh, they've been through a lot. And they just, you know, they showed some grit and determination last night. Truly some special stuff. Okay, we have a full show for you here today. Final show for me this week. So we'll get it going in earnest next. A tradition unlike any other, our annual check-in from Daytona, USA on the Daytona 500. Big race tonight to start things off. Here is uh, Scott Shook on the other side of this timeout on the PJ Show. Rolling on today, it's an annual tradition unlike any other when we check in from Daytona Beach, Florida. For the Daytona 500 primer, he is not Scott Shook with all the fancy titles in Greenville. This week, he is simply Shooky, the roving NASCAR correspondent for the Patrick Johnson Show. The great Scott Shook joins us here on the program. Hello, Shook. Happy Happy America Daytona 500 week. Well, isn't it great that it's already time for the Daytona 500? You know, you get down here and it's nice and warm and you can almost see spring coming. It's just a great start to a new year and hope all is well up in Greenville, America. I want you, before we get uh, the primer and the color that you'll provide on what's going on, uh, to tell us a little bit about the uh, thoughts Watching the Pirates last night rally and beat Cincinnati. Uh, that was a tremendous, tremendous comeback win. You know, we got down here yesterday and, and uh, went out to dinner and watched the first half on the cell phone and then came back and caught the second half on the iPad. And, you know, we got down. It's just like, guys, just make a basket and get a stop. And, you know, you could almost just sense something if we could just get something going. And I, and I tell you, it's a heck of a coaching job uh, by Mike Schwartz. I, we've got – We've got us a head basketball coach in that, and um, got those guys believing, believing they can do it. And you know, when we make shots, we can play with just about anybody in this league. And and um, but it, what a big win, an emotional win last night. I, I I wish I could have been there in the arena. Unfortunately, I had to travel. But um, I tell you that 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 was a special special victory. I think we'll remember for a long time. Yeah, it was a lot of fun and a lot of emotions last night, and uh, it is uh, always good to be uh, enjoying kind of a victory Thursday after uh, the Pirates uh, win and, and beating Cincinnati. I don't know, something good about beating these teams leaving uh, for supposed greener, greener pastures. I, I'm, I'm, I really kind of dig that. When uh, No question. And then when Roy Williams shows up, you know, to check on uh... – West Miller and we sent them both home with a loss. That, that's pretty good stuff right there. It really is. And, and, and you and, and Cy, both of you did a tremendous job last night. And I know that that wasn't easy to do for either one of you and Cy, particularly working with him for all those years. And what a great human being Cy Seymour is. And what a great human being Jeff Charles was as well. And, and, um, so thank you guys for doing what you did last night. That was, that was special. 
Th- well, thank you for saying that, and, and I'm, I'm really happy for Cy because uh, I know it was a really emotional evening for Cy last night and uh, just one of the best people and best pirates you will find. Well, let's now take that cap off. Let's now put on the uh, trucker's hat and be shooky here for a preview of the Daytona 500, which will be uh, racing on Sunday. All right, Shooky, give me the lay of the land. What's going on in Daytona, America? Well, the biggest thing and the biggest news for this year, which is a change for the last couple of years we're down here, um, not unless something changes dramatically uh, with the forecast, but there is no rain set for the forecast this weekend. It's, it's all up here. 80s. It's all up here yeah, in Greenville, yeah, yes. That's right, that's right. But we're 80s and beautiful Florida weather this morning. Out walking around this morning through the campground, saw them taking the Clydesdales for a stroll. Uh, it, it's just beautiful down here in Daytona, and um, and them Chevrolets are sitting up front, which, which makes my mind a little bit. Uh, uh, but I don't know what to do this year. I'm, I'm kind of conflicted. You know, Kyle Busch is in a Chevrolet this year, so, mm, mm. Uh, you know, it's easier to hate him when he was in Toyota. I mean, he's a Busch, so you can hate him anyway, but, right, right. you know, yeah. he's, he's, he's racing for my man Richard Childress. I, you know, this is not easy for me this year. I'm just trying to ignore the whole situation. But, you know, who knows? Give me an idea for those that have missed these, because uh, our, our audience grows every day. We have a vast radio audience here for Greenville's yeah. Top Sports Show and the Top Show at 5 o'clock in the market. But, you know, when we when we have people that are listening and learning about us for the first time, uh, and we have these annual updates from you down in Daytona. Give us kind of the lay of the land as far as proximity and what the crowd will be like. So where, where are you, how, you know, how do you enter the, the arena, if you will? Give us that whole deal. Well, the biggest thing is, Patrick, Kenny Smith years ago secured rooms at the very luxurious Quality Inn oh. directly across from the Speedway. Is that a five-star? Um, it This weekend, it is five-star prices. <laughs> and <laughs> night minimum, you know, uh, but it is, it is very beautiful here. Uh, we can park the truck and walk around and Uber and we don't have to move, uh, any vehicles and, and, uh, just walk across the street to the racetrack and right back. So we can hear the cars practicing this morning inside the hotel room. Okay. Patrick, as, as a race fan, it just really doesn't get any better than that. I got you. And then you guys just make your way over kind of across the street, right, to go to the uh, to the track. Absolutely. And when they renovated the track quite a few years ago, and you'll appreciate this like I know I did, used to, we had to walk about a mile and a half oh, dragging no. a cooler with about two beers in it. No. And with a backpack. And, and then had to walk up, you know, flights and flights yeah. and flights of stairs. Come on. Well, man. now yeah. you go across. All we do is take escalators all the way to the top and walk down four steps, and we're right on the aisle. Uh, I mean, it's like we're there you go. I almost feel, you know, I almost feel guilty about it. Almost. By the way, uh, the rest of that cooler, lots of water, uh, just in case you're wondering out there of in course. Radio Land. Yeah. Got to stay, of gotta of stay hydrated. All right. The great, yeah, or, or, or Pepsi, you know, for ah, like yeah. Right. Yeah, there right. you go. Uh, the great Scott Shook, uh, a.k.a. Shooky, our roving correspondent for the Daytona 500, uh, wrapping up uh, the week for us this week here on the PJ Show with baseball no show tomorrow. All right, let me uh, let me get your pick to click. Who do you got winning this thing? 
I don't know. I'm just going to go with who I'm pulling to chase Elliot, but uh, I can guarantee you there will be some kind of drama. Some kind. There's always something surrounding this race, uh, which is which is always neat to watch. Um, but uh, we're going with Chevrolets up front. My man Chase Elliott takes it home. How many years have you been going down there? Uh, tw- since nineteen, since two thousand. Okay. To the Daytona five hundred. Right. So in right. a row. Yeah. Okay. All so right. Twenty four years. It, it, it came out this this year. It was the seventy fifth anniversary of NASCAR. I was like, well, damn, I remember the fiftieth. Yeah. You know, what's so there you here? go. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, yeah. a lot has happened in twenty five years. All right, Shook. This year, uh, we're going to get you on to talk about some ECU things coming up, and we'll talk some more NASCAR uh, as well. But we'll do that when you get back from Daytona. Have fun, and and thank you for this uh, illuminating report on the goings-on in uh, in Daytona. A tradition unlike any other, Patrick. Glad to be here. Yep, absolutely. Thanks to the uh, one and only Scott Shook there uh, joining us from Daytona. More on last night's hoops game with Brian Mall and a little bit of golf talk. That's coming up. Patrick Johnson Show. Always great to catch up with Brian Mull, who joins us now, college basketball and uh, golf writer at BG Mull on Twitter. No Friday program this week because of ECU baseball, so uh, we're catching up with Brian right now, which is good because I do have a couple of golf questions uh, to ask him. We start, however, with uh, college hoops, and uh, obviously last night ECU, I don't think there's any dispute that uh, as far as experience goes, but but even maybe as far as to a man talent goes, Cincinnati had the more talented roster out there last night. But uh, sometimes that emotion and that grit can't be quantified. Yeah, that was a, a pretty uh, touching and cool moment in, in this world of college basketball where, uh, you know, Sometimes we just get lost in the metrics and, and everything and, and to see an inspired group of, of ECU players with the singleness of purpose wanting to win that game in honor of uh, Jeff Charles and uh, to celebrate his, his unbelievable life and career there at East Carolina. It was really, I know it had to be awesome to be in that building and, and, and calling the game. And it was certainly as, uh, as someone who reports and observes the game, uh, it was just really cool to see, and hats off to to Mike Schwartz and the, and, and the Pirates for uh, for finding a way when it looked very improbable there, uh, you know, midway through the second half, like the game was slipping away for them, and just channel that energy and just a remarkable win, a comeback, a sick, kind of a signature victory for for Schwartz in his first season uh, on the sidelines. Yeah, the first one for Mike Schwartz, undoubtedly, uh, as you say, that signature win, and. It, uh... R.J. Felton, Ezra Ozar, and, and Brandon Johnson were just outstanding uh, down the stretch. I mean, look, uh, it, it, right now they're they're sitting eighth in the standings. You know, I, I think you want to try to get maybe to that seven line higher if you can, obviously. But I mean, that seven line is maybe where you want to you aspire to get to. Uh, you know, to maybe avoid a, a Houston earlier in the tournament. But uh, you know, I, I, I think. There's a nice nucleus coming back, and, and make no bones about it, I think you're going to see a very active uh, pirate basketball staff, Brian, in, in the portal to address some 
some needs more immediately, but then also continue to recruit at the at the level they hope to recruit at? Yeah, it has to be a balance in in this modern world of college basketball. Uh, you're you're you can't ignore the immediate help, but at the same time, you have to build the foundation. And uh, Schwartz has certainly uh, made a point of uh, emphasizing the state of North Carolina, which is impressive, and and landing some talent uh, that can help down the road. But as you as you've said, this team has some holes that uh, you know going forward to be a, to be a team that can fight for the top half of the American. They need to address those issues in the portal. And the beautiful thing about it is there will be a lot of uh, players in there from which to choose. Uh, Brian, uh, we've got the big one coming up on Sunday, UNC at NC State, PNC Arena. It's a wild scene in Raleigh this weekend. We'll talk to Adam Gold next segment to close the show uh, about everything that's kind of going on with uh, – <laughs> with. Uh, you know, Raleigh in the triangle and sports this weekend with NHL and, and this game falls kind of smack in the middle of it on a Sunday. How do you see this one? Yeah, rare Sunday afternooner in the uh, in the ACC. We used to have a few more of those, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, sure does. But, but, but NC State and Carolina, no love lost there. Certainly uh, plenty of uh, – UNC has kind of dominated the rivalry of late. And uh, I know that uh, this probably has to feel like for Kevin Keats and his players and the fan base up there in Raleigh that this is as good of an opportunity as they've had. Uh, this is a game in which they're probably going to be a slight favorite, which has not often been the case. And NC State, uh, you know, tough loss the other night at Syracuse, but otherwise playing really well. And I just think with uh, their their backcourt, the way that DJ Burns has come on, um, you know, getting a little more healthy, getting Jack Clark back in the rotation. He's a guy who's really important for them. Casey Morsell knocking down some shots. I just think this is a game NC State has to win. You know, it's a statement game, if you will, uh, more than anything else. I mean, not only to, to bolster their NCAA resume and seating, but just you know, this is a rivalry. This is Tobacco Road at its finest, uh, and they know where they have been on, uh, you know, on which side of this rivalry they have been on in recent years. And this is an opportunity for them to, to win, add a little bit more misery to the folks in Chapel Hill who have really not enjoyed this basketball season at all. So I, I think anything short of a win and, and maybe even a convincing win would be a little disappointing in Raleigh. Brian Mull uh, covers uh, college hoops. Brian Mull covers uh, golf at BG Mull on Twitter. You can uh, source his work there. Hey, uh, let me ask you a little bit about the uh, heels. You mentioned Kevin Keats there. I mean, obviously, UNC's got some some real problems. And this is a game in many ways that uh, the roles are somewhat – I mean, I understand what you're saying about Keats, but, I mean, this is a must-win in Chapel Hill on, on Sunday. I mean, UNC's lost four or five. And you could make an argument that in at least two of those games, uh, the effort was not very inspired. Uh, I think, and you know, in the anyone who's followed UNC basketball for for decades, uh, you get in a situation like they were in Monday night with Miami at home, and the game's kind of hanging in the balance there in the second half, and you just always feel like UNC has a comeback, and you just never had that feeling. The other night, Miami was the older team, was the better team, was the smarter team. And 
Carolina missed a lot of shots. You could say that, but like Hubert Davis said after the game, you just have to have the toughness to step up and knock down those open shots and clutch moments when, when there's game pressure. And that is just something that I think folks expected from this Carolina roster with so many veterans coming back from a team that went to the finals last year. And we just haven't seen it consistently. Uh, they're so thin in the front court because they're getting nothing from Nance. So they're kind of stuck with him. They don't know what to do. Uh, you, you hear players after the game talking about they have to, it's their responsibility to help rebuild Nance's confidence. That's a dicey situation at this point in the year. And then if Baycott gets in any foul trouble, as was the case, uh, they're just, they have nothing in the front court. They're not rebounding at the same rate that we've come to expect from Carolina teams on the offensive glass and creating those opportunities. And it just seems to be a lot of one-on-one basketball. Uh, they're saying the right things sometimes after the games, but you're just not seeing it produced, you know, on the court. And they are, they're on the bubble. This is a chance for a really nice road win. They don't have any of those. And uh, they, they, they need to dig down deep to give their uh, NCAA tournament chances some real credibility. Uh, Brian, uh, Houston Place tonight likely will be the new number one for what that's worth in the upcoming polls after Tennessee knocked off uh, Alabama last night. You've also got Memphis hosting uh, UCF tonight. I think this is a gargantuan game for the Tigers because of their NCAA hopes. Uh, Lenardi, as we discussed in the telecast last night, has them fourth in the uh, you know last four buys category. So, I mean, it's still a little dicey. For the Tigers, they still have some some work to do. I think they're going to be fine because I think they're going to be well above 20 wins and, and have some really good wins early in the year. But tonight's one of those you can't let escape if you're Memphis. Yeah, I'll tell you what's helping. Memphis is Texas A&M uh, keeps winning. Uh, had a nice win at home last night against Arkansas. And Auburn has uh, continued to kind of hold its own. And Memphis has those two wins in its pocket. And in a year when – you know, we say this every year, maybe it's not the strongest bubble, but there really are not a lot of at-large candidates that are hovering around those final few spots. It's a pretty tight list. So basically, if you're a Memphis and you're somewhat expected to be in at this point, if you can just keep holding serve, uh, win the games you're s- supposed to on your schedule coming down the stretch, that would be four more wins. And then they have two big games with Houston. If they could, you know, obviously – were they to win one of those two, they would be a lock, in my opinion, to be in the field. But uh, just a good showing in both of those might be enough because you're certainly not going to lose uh, anything by, by dropping a game to the number one team in the country. So Memphis is in a good spot, I feel like. Like you said, 19-6, and 9-3. and three. They have quality wins over Auburn, Texas A&M. Yeah, yeah. They have some other solid wins. Vanderbilt uh, – you know, that's a win that looks a little bit better now as Vanderbilt and Jerry Stackhouse have things going a little, you know, better there in the latter half of the conference schedule. And they, you know, really don't have any terrible losses. Um, certainly, you know, a road game at St. Louis, not a bad loss. And uh, they've, they've kind of taken care of business. They need to continue to do that. By the way, right now in Nashville, Jerry Stackhouse <laughs> needs to get another year. I'm, I'm going to look out for one of my Kinston uh, brethren there. K-Town brethren and say, let's give Stack another year. All right, uh, we can talk about that another time. I want to Again, that's right now here as we speak today. Uh, let's shift gears to golf really quick, Brian. Uh, big story, of course, Tigers back this week. What do you expect as that's kind of going on right now? What do you expect out of uh, El Tigre? First of all, I'm glad to see him back. Uh, I think it's terrific 
that he's trying to play a couple of other events. I mean, obviously, we're not going to see an expanded schedule from Tiger, but the fact that he is trying to play two or three regular events, perhaps, in addition to the majors, is just a great sign for professional golf and for his health. Uh, by all accounts, he's moving around much better. This is a fairly easy golf course to walk. You know, last year he came back and, and, and tried to walk some of the most difficult courses in the world. And um, other than the, the walk up to uh, the behind the 18th green and down from the first hole, it, it's a pretty flat piece of property. Uh, it is going to be chilly. Uh, the temperature is in the, in the you know low 40s early in the morning, so it may take him a minute to get his body moving a little bit. But by all accounts, uh, and even some of the other players have remarked on this, like the way his golf swing looked when he did play in the father-son with uh, back in December, everybody, you know, and, and what he said himself, I can hit the shots. I've been really working hard on my game, uh, working on my short game a lot. Now, how does that translate to tournament golf? Uh, we'll see. But I think this is more for him just about chipping away the rust. Uh, he would love to get four rounds in just for the simple fact that he needs some reps as he goes forward with the season, and then he has to see how his body can recover. He, he was honest in saying that he has not walked 18 holes four days in a row mm-hmm. uh, since, since um, last summer, probably. And so, uh, but he does feel like his, his leg is much stronger than it was last year at this time, and his mobility in his ankle, which has really been the problem there uh, from the crash, it is getting better. And so it'll just be a matter of how his body can recover. Again, not the ideal. He, he would probably uh, be better served if it was going to be 80 degrees um, every day out there. Right, and, right, and right. It's yeah. not a balmy, but, um, you know, kudos to him for, for giving it a shot, and it certainly uh, adds some juice to what's already a loaded field. Well, I was going to say, Tiger's a story, but this field is dynamite at the Genesis this week. Yeah, this is the best golf course on tour. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be there several times. Riviera Country Club is just an absolute gem classic layout uh and that's reflected in the champions of this tournament which is one of the longest running tournaments on the pga tour they've hosted majors there always produced great champions and uh they're all there everybody's there uh that is eligible basically on the pga tour uh it's an elevated event with a lot of money and Ooh. a three-year three-year exemption and um yeah, there's every reason for them to be there, and I think the golf course is really one that most of the players look forward to. The greens are to, are difficult to putt. As uh, Poana, it's not a smooth surface, especially later in the day, so it requires a lot of patience. You're going to see some guys miss some short putts that they would normally make, but you just kind of have to hang in there. And typically, the the, the ball strikers and and the guys whose short game are are really firing. Uh, you really just, you know, Riviera is awesome. You have to be good at everything. It's not a golf course that you can just bomb it with your driver or just get by with your putter or anything in between. It really tests every facet of your game, and I think that's why it's produced uh, so many great players uh, as champions through the years. Max Homa a couple of years ago, uh, Joaquin Neiman last year. I mean, these are all just uh, elite golfers. Follow him on Twitter at BG Mall. Brian, thanks a lot. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Patrick. Everybody have a great weekend. Adam Gold talking the Stadium Series next on the PJ Show. Every day, noon until 3, Adam Gold heard right here on 94.3 The Game and statewide. Adam Gold joins us here on the Patrick Johnson Show ahead of the Stadium Series being played Saturday night. Because of my uh, duties and obligations with college baseball, I will not be in tomorrow. 
course, in case you missed it, the Pirate game starting at 6 now tomorrow against GW. So thanks for being with us. Well, thank you very much. First of all, I'm excited for the start of college baseball season. Yes. Uh, that'll be cool. Uh, we don't have uh, 47-inch bases in college, right? Not yet. Boy, those things are the size of a pizza box. It's amazing. They are. That's, that's exactly what Alex Cora said. And quickly, shout out to uh, to the men's basketball team for beating Cincinnati last night. That was pretty cool. Uh, you obviously know what's been going on in Greenville for the last few days, so that was uh, a really nice and emotional win, and I, I appreciate you yeah. giving a shout-out to Mike Swartz and the guys there. And uh, Cool stuff, really, really cool stuff uh, last night on a – on an emotion-drenched, uh, painted purple night. Well, I'm I'm pumped about this stadium series going on at NC State in a couple days. Uh, this uh, it, it looks fantastic. Uh, give me yeah. the give me the level of uh, AG excitement right now. You know, I've covered a lot of big events. I've covered Final Fours. I've covered Super Bowls. Um. But these are different, and I would argue a hundred times in a row that they're more fun. They're novelty, right? Um, when the L.A. Galaxy played the Carolina Railhawks, however many years ago that was now, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. I mean, if it was one of the best nights I've ever had. Uh, although I was there as a fan, but I was also covering it in, this, in, a, in a kind of a weird capacity. Right. It, the novelty events are just amazing. and I cannot wait for – I was at – I saw the rink today. I was out at Carter-Finley Stadium. It's an incredible setup. For any of your listeners who are coming, uh, if you think you, well, I don't really want to spend, you know, $280 on, uh, on tickets, I'll spend one hundred and $80 on tickets or whatever the prices were. If you bought tickets in the upper deck, I think you have better tickets wow. than, than tickets in the lower deck. I think you can just see more of the rink. If it's a smaller venue, it's not like the big house, which has a hundred thousand right, seats. Right. Um, at 55,000 or 57,000, whatever they're going to seat, uh, the, uh, it's, you're close enough to the ice in the upper deck where I think the seats are better, especially if you're like in the first 10 or 15 rows of the upper deck. I think it's going to be a great time. But, man, it's just a party, uh, not only tomorrow, but today on Fanville Street in downtown, mm-hmm. uh, Fan Fest there. It's just it's going to be great, and it's kind of hard to believe that we're going to have outdoor hockey in Raleigh, North Carolina in February, but we are. It's been pretty warm, but... There, there are not any concerns about ice issues, especially with some rain coming through that area well, tonight rain, and all that? Rain would be an issue, but as long as it doesn't rain during the game, that's fine. The uh, warmth doesn't matter. We Dodger Stadium hosted an outdoor hockey game a few years ago, uh, so they're not worried about it at all. Uh, I'm positive that either Tampa or Florida is going to get an outdoor hockey game at some point. Uh, it's you know, the, the technology to make ice is amazing. So I'm not – nobody nobody's worried about that. The only thing that they have to guard against, and obviously rain, snow isn't good either because it slows the game down. But um, I don't think you'll see any of these during the day anymore because sunlight, sunlight right. makes it more difficult. 
The great Adam Gold from the Adam Gold Show. You hear it uh, every day at noon here on 94.3. The game is with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show this afternoon. I, I wanted to, uh, I, I guess it is, should have figured this would be the case, but the scope of this and how the NHL has handled the scope of this, it maybe is a little bit of a tried and true formula for them, but this really has the big fight feel about it. Well, I don't think there's any question. Um, again, the, the lead up to this, first of all, it's been three years in the making, right? Um, they actually announced that the Hurricanes were getting an outdoor game in uh, February of 2020 when mm-hmm. Colorado was hosting a game. Mm-hmm. Colorado was hosting the outdoor game that year. They always announced the next stadium series game. This is not the Winter Classic, although the, the two things are kind of similar. Uh, but at the stadium series game that year, they announced next year's stadium series game. And we knew it was coming. I did anyway. Uh, kind of was tipped off by the team and uh, some sources I had around the league that we knew it was coming. And when it was announced, I actually had my story all ready to go uh, at WRALsportsfan.com back in the day when they used to do more writing. Um, and then, of course, about, what was it, a month later, we shut the season down. Yeah pandemic and when the season shut down and threw everything into the following season for you know into the blender uh we ended up not having anything like that we we didn't have fans until the very end of the season um the uh, the 56 game pandemic year um and then the hurricanes pushed off they would have hosted last year but we were still kind of unsure what attendance was going to be like are we going to be able to do 55,000 and Tom Dundon didn't want to do it if he couldn't do it. So they, uh, they kind of gave last year's stadium game away. And I forget even who got it, but it didn't matter. Um, and they said, you know, just we'll, we'll do it again the following year. And so it was, it's been three years in the making, but they've known about it. The team has known about it for like three and a half. Mm-hmm. So it's been a long, long buildup to this. Uh, and just as an aside, the, this whole weekend kind of starts tonight because the Hurricanes are inducting goaltender Cam Ward into the team's Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's a big ceremony before the Canes and the Canadiens tonight. Then tomorrow's Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> Saturday, as well as all the you know the hockey events downtown. Right, right, yeah. Saturday is the stadium game. Sunday's uh, state hosting Carolina at PNC, and then Monday the alumni game. And state Carolina club hockey will be played outdoors wow. at Carter Finley. Wow. So this is, this has been a lot going on. Yeah. Is this a trial balloon in your mind for, uh, and certainly not a Super Bowl, and the state has hosted, particularly the Triangle has hosted a lot of, you know, NCAA events out at the Cary Baseball Park and soccer uh, and all of that. I mean, is this, does this just sort of help build that profile in your mind as far as, a destination hosting major events, and are there are there any major events that realistically can be hosted that springboard off of this? Well, I mean, we've already done an All Star game, so and the city has proven that they could do an NHL All Star game. Um, I don't I mean we're not in the running for a Final Four. Uh, they could get a regional final again. I mean, they've had regional finals here before, um, but the uh, it, it, it will be the second time, but the first on this scale, 
mm-hmm. the stadium game. Mm-hmm. It'll be the first time that this area has hosted an event of this magnitude, at least in terms of, look, the stadium games are happening every year, so maybe they lose luster over time. But the league still treats them like major events. Like, this is not a Hurricanes event. This is an NHL event. So the league basically runs the whole show in conjunction with the team. They get a lot of support from the team, but it's a league event. It's the league's ice, uh, the league's credential system, the league's parking plan, all of that, which is why for people who bought tickets, it may seem very different from anything that NC State does or that the Hurricanes do. And speaking of NC State, they're going to get a new football field out of it. That was part of the deal. They're going to get new surface, new playing surface out of the whole thing. Um, I'm not saying I'm not sure they needed it because they grow pretty good grass at yeah. NC State. Right. Yeah. The, they're going to get a new field out of it. The team's going to pay for a new field. Adam Gold, Adam Gold show uh, heard statewide, including here on 94.3 The Game, uh, weekdays noon until three, talking uh, everything North Carolina uh, daily as far as sports uh, goes across the state and beyond in a lot of ways. Hey, uh, how are the Canes? You know to this point in the season because again this this is one of those things the scale of the event well there's there's a game and we're keeping scores so yeah uh it counts yeah so you know as far as that that goes uh you know how is this uh team performing right now i know boston's been fabulous this year but but where are the canes in the east and over the overall picture all right um Standings tell a little bit of the story, I think. Not a lot of it, not all of it, but I think a little bit. Hurricanes have the second-best record in the entire NHL. They lead their division, which, in my opinion, is the best division in hockey, the Metropolitan Division. There are no bad teams in the Metro. The worst team, Columbus, um, has been uh, they can score, and they have good goaltending. They don't have good defense, but they have excellent goaltending, and they can put the puck in the net. So, uh, it, it is not a team that you can take lightly. I think they beat Carolina once already this year. Um, Philadelphia has been plucky. The division is really good. Uh, Carolina leads it, and Carolina's closing in on Boston, who is, has the best record in hockey. Boston has kind of reverted to the mean a little bit after a scorching hot start. Uh, with all of that said, if you're asking me where the Hurricanes rate among the best teams in the entire league, I'm not going to look at them. I'm going to look at what I see uh, and kind of ignore what uh, the wins, losses, and overtime losses tell me. And I don't think Carolina is quite as good as Colorado when Colorado is playing at their best. Um, I don't think they're as good as Boston. Most of standing say that, but I don't think they're as good as Boston. I think they're Probably on par with Tampa, but Tampa has the best goaltender on earth uh, in Andre Vasilevsky. So that's a that's a. Uh, if you're asking me to pick a series right now, I would pick Tampa. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Carolina slots, and I know they've lost to the Rangers twice, and the Rangers have a better goaltender in Igor Shesterkin. But I think Carolina and the Rangers are pretty evenly matched. They just happened to catch Carolina at the wrong time for Carolina twice. Um, but I think Carolina right now is one of the four or five best teams in the league, but let's see what happens at the trade deadline and who Carolina adds. If Carolina can add goal scoring punch, then 
the Canes are as likely as anyone to come out of the East and make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, which would be absolutely awesome to be in a third Stanley Cup Finals in Raleigh, North Carolina, in a 21-season span. No, it would be quite remarkable. Hey, Adam, thanks yep. for the time. Really appreciate it. Enjoy uh, Saturday it should, and the whole weekend. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Anytime, real quick to uh, to your listeners, um, Jeff Charles to me was East Carolina football, and I'm not disparaging any other sport. To me, it's the sport that is most easily uh, linked to East Carolina, and more than even my friend Steve Logan, Jeff Charles is ECU football, and it was so sad to hear the news. Um, I'm sure he enjoyed from wherever he is last night so um condolences to the entire uh ecu community thank you adam real classy uh for you to say that and and uh i'm sure a lot of people appreciate hearing that from you as i do and have a uh have a great weekend enjoy your time there you too thanks man Chances. Carmore of Greenville approves.